Yo, Brandtrepreneurs, thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is the place to help you start and build a disruptive brand and impact the universe. You're locked into the grind where we give you the inside track, the what goes on behind the scenes while we start our new business. Hopefully you'll learn what it takes to launch a successful brand as we share our learnings with you. I'm Matt Thorne, aka Sketchy Media. I'm Phil Kemish, aka Phil Kemish. And I'm Nish Solanke, just Nish Solanke. On this week's episode, we're looking at how we structure the right team for our business. It's something we're going through right now. Yeah, we talk about how to find the perfect co-founder, how to avoid those horrifically deadly hiring mistakes, and then just generally what to look for in the team to build the perfect one. Yo, people, this is The Grind. Welcome back. We're back in the the somewhat hotter living room today. It's been a record-breaking heat week, and there is certainly some serious temperature going on in here, Nish. So, when I got home yesterday, it started caning it down with rain, and I just thought to myself, typical of the British weather, isn't it? You give us this amazing sunshine, and then, of course, in the evening, you're going to give me a load of rain. I went out and stood in it just to cool down. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was, on, I was on my deck, <laughs> just like, T-shirt off, like, yeah, let's get this coolness. It wasn't cool. It didn't work. And actually, yesterday was an interesting one because it was our first sort of day where we planned a lot of filming because we've expanded the team somewhat, and then that changed and mainly because of the heat and mainly because maybe some people that we were meant to be meeting were probably out. I mean, all our meetings got cancelled. I mean, I... Some heat related, some... Some heat related and some others. Clearly were. Um, But I guess, you know, it was really... Now, that's one thing that's probably changed quite a bit in the last week, I would say, is that we've expanded the team. It was just essentially us three mainly on the regular day today, I guess, but now somewhat that's changed, right? Yeah, from a creative point of view, we wanted to, like... The content stuff we're producing is, is really fun for us, but also takes up a lot of time, especially for poor Matthew over here, who uh, is, is, is the creative. So um, we wanted to get a couple of uh, people involved and like just, you know, build out the team so we can have some support. So we found a couple of awesome guys who are kind of just straight out of uni, want to come in and they've they followed the brandpreneur journey and wanted to get involved. So look, we just we've 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 expanded. Got someone helping out on the cameras. Fucking great. <laughs> Am I in focus, yeah? Just, just checking, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Checking. Because that, that was the hard thing to do is make sure everything is in focus. So having focus pullers and camera ops is is certainly key. But yeah, no, obviously we're um we're on this sixty-six day journey and a big part of that is just documenting those sixty-six days, one to challenge ourselves, but also to be able to look back on it and having a team to help us do that's been uh, a super top priority in order to make sure that we can you know, get good content out of it and not be constantly reliant on ourselves. Even though that we are still having to produce a lot ourselves, you know, we we don't have the luxury of having the guys with us all the time. Mm. Uh, but it's, it's more about on the ground stuff as well. So instead of just having the podcast format, actually trying to follow some of the meetings and some of the, because a lot of the stuff that's juicy doesn't happen around this table. As people probably know, we kind of reflect around here and we maybe give away some of the learnings and talk about it. But actually some of the stuff that happens on the day to day is really interesting. So we're trying to capture some more of that and document that. And that was one of those things over the 66 days that I remember seeing in terms of the list of tasks that was in the air table that was constantly there. And maybe we didn't really discuss on here, but was happening in the background because we, you know, there is a definite appetite between you guys to want to document everything that's going on. But there's only so much you guys can do as well as doing all the other shit that needs to happen. So just tell me, like, how did you go about doing that? Because I know feel like that's quite an interesting story from your perspective as to how you found people. But like, how did that? happen 
Uh, I mean, I think I, I basically think the, the amount of content we have been producing, like we've been quite active in asking for help. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of got to the point where we pushed out across our network. We had a few people that came back. Um, actually, somebody who follows the podcast suggested a couple of uh, videographers and editors, and that's how it all happened. But it's just because we know we've got a, a nice little, you know, we're trying to do these coffee mornings and meetups, and I think we're just networking with people who are similar. What was the passions. actual connection? I, I, don't, I still don't 100% know who, how the li- what the actual link was. It's uh, it's uh, one of uh, one of Joe's Joe's friends. What's his name, Joe? Yeah, Max. Max, who does a podcast, um, who just started a clothing company, has been watching the kind of 66 days himself, kind of learning some tips about what me and Matt. He's kind of like written to me a few times on Instagram actually, and said like, be great to kind of get your intake on what we're doing. And I said, oh, great that you're doing video. Who's doing your video? And he said, uh, a couple of guys that I know. You know what? And that actually really reminds me of something that Summer Pine said on the last show where she was talking about how she really needed help. And she just went out of her way to just ask her own community and her own followers. There was one person that started helping her a lot with social and SEO and website builds. And it really goes to show, isn't it, that your network, whether it's your own following or whether it's your own professional network, really helps. So has that been something that you've always... Yeah done in terms of hiring people or? yeah it pretty much hired everyone for our network i think it's getting since we've been doing the podcast it's actually started it's been a lot better for us like before when we had like no content out there people would obviously hear about us and then reach out and get in touch but now that our face is on linkedin and people are seeing us on instagram and stuff it's you know it seems that people it's like gravitating people towards us which is really interesting even from the rebox point of view we've got we're starting to source and find people that are interested in a journey and like oh hey i do paid social would love to come and chat to you guys about helping you out it's like we've always we've always found our teams for our networks not saying that's always the right way, but initially when you're building a team from the ground up, the easiest way, because you can't afford a recruiter and you can't do all this stuff, is to find people who maybe you know or, or, or somebody else knows. And I think that's the fastest way to get staff or get people to come and get involved. Um, don't always get the best people though. Don't, don't get yeah. twisted. And some, yeah. sometimes you can feel like when you really need people, like the network will give you people and you think, oh, it's in the network. So, you know, that person probably is good. Like let's settle for them. And actually you know, you don't always get the best people for it. And sometimes you end up trying to put square pegs in round holes, which we've done on many occasions. And we've seen that through actually working through some of the startups that we've worked on is that you go into a startup environment, especially when they're scaling quickly, you go, how do you know everybody? And it's like, oh, I'm friend with the founder. I'm this friend with this person. And actually, yeah, that's maybe a good way to start. But I think I've seen it on the destructive side where actually, you know, people have lost friends in those in those relationships or those team buildings because the startup's not worked or, you know, it is difficult. I mean, we spoke to Liam and Liam from Hype said, most of my staff are my friends. I've hired my, my best mates to work with me. So look, I think, I think there's the positives of it, which are you can trust those people and they should be loyal. And if they're good at their job, then they're going to grow with you. But at the same time, if you're looking for a, like a skill set or technique, which is very, you know, like yeah. you're looking for a coder or someone who's the, like a, a product manager, I think you need to go specific to those skill yeah, sets. Yeah, the relationship thing's really important. Like going back to what you said, there's been a few startups that we've been in and, you know, the people that have hired friends, you, you can see people that are reluctant to get rid of people because they're friends and actually it has such a destructive, like you said, Phil, part of the business. Like we've seen things being really held back because the wrong person sat in that role and, you know, the the boss has been scared to get rid of them because yeah. it's their friend, you know, and it's a really, really tough posi- uh, position to be in and you've got to be really, really mindful. It's, it's very difficult. And, you know, I think we've been in that position as well. I'll be honest, we've hired people that, you know, we've been friends with through our network, whatever. And 
we tried to keep them in and we've probably kept them in for longer than we should have done and not made those decisions and ultimately you kind of live or die by them and yeah there was a question that we got from Russell Staplehurst who very kindly <laughs> wow. Rich, Richard wow you practiced that name four times and you got sorry it. Rich this Rich. is why I didn't make it as a radio presenter <laughs> um, but yeah like he was asking that that kind of how do you how do you go about dealing with friends versus family? And should you be judging them based on trust or skill? Or is there a balance between the two? So do you have an idea around that as to how you should be? Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're always gonna be able to you're always going to hire some people you know yeah. or your friends with. There's a lot of cases that people are friends that start businesses together. And actually, as founders, it's kind of important that you're friends as well as business partners. I think most people who are founders generally know each other because it's very difficult to go through or they become very close friends because you go on this amazing journey together like you know me and matt probably have done both at the same time we were friends and we were like hanging around together but we were starting businesses but we probably like grown as two people over 10 years as friends and as business partners but you know that that's also dangerous there's lots of stories you know we talked again to 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 people who have maybe fallen out with their friends and not business partners anymore but i do think in the initial stages you need people around you that are going to work for you and put their heart on the line and that sometimes is the people closest to you um, but as you scale you definitely need to start looking at the balance between having a bunch of people who are going to say yes to you because they're their mates versus a bunch of people who are going to say you're not good enough or this isn't good enough and we're going to do this you need people who are technically better in those areas if i'm being really honest uh even from a founder level if you're going to have like a founder coming in to work on your business you need to know those people really fucking well um, I, I think that, you know, there's this really nice idea that you can meet someone who's got the perfect skill set and come in. And I suppose in our dynamic, just because we've tried this uh, with. Um... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. With one of the with the co-founder that we had, where before the the current iteration of the business, we had um, somebody involved on, on a co-founder level who someone's actually we known for quite a while and kind of maybe worked with at a hands length ish point point of view, but we've knew, known each other well and we got on personally and we you know we I'd consider ourselves friends. So I was like, do you know what? It makes sense. And this we know, we know all about him. We you know we're friends. I think we think this could work. And for quite a while, it did work in, in the early stages when things weren't too serious and we're, you know, thinking about things and having ideas and trying to solve stuff. And there's lots of energy and it's positive. You know, it worked out well. But, you know, when things start getting hard, shit changed really quickly. And we saw 
a side to this person that, you know, maybe we hadn't seen before. And that made it really challenging for us to go through and not for the right or wrong reasons. It was just like, we didn't have that experience. And because Phil and I are so close, because we've worked together for a long time. I think that was maybe really challenging for a third person coming in, learning how to work with us, probably on the back foot a little bit. Like I make no mistake about it. It probably was really difficult, but I think fundamentally, you know, from my point of view, you have to be able to work with this person, have them in your business. Like it's a massive, massive, massive commitment. And if you can't work or get on with that person or in certain situations, they don't behave in a way that's productive to the business, you know, that that's really difficult. And ultimately we had to go our separate ways for one of many reasons, just, you know, personal reasons as well. But you know, it, it really highlighted to me how difficult it is to get a third co-founder in and how careful we have to be. And if we have to have other people coming into our business, you know, even on a more senior C-level type of thing, maybe even on equity, then we have to be really, really careful because if we don't know those people, we're in a massively vulnerable position. So how do we work with that? What is, so that's a really good point, but what is, what are the things that we, you know, you can maybe put in place to, to help that situation scenario? Like what are the stuff that we've learned maybe that, because a lot of people might be listening going, cool, I, I want a co-founder. How do I go about finding one? How do I go about testing the relationship before I go in and, and start a business? So like, I don't know, from our, from our experience, I think the thing that we did, maybe we worked on a bunch of projects before, even as us three from working on Branchpreneur. Branchpreneur is a project which we all took on that we learned how to work together. Me and Matt were running a night together, like it was an event. That was our first thing that we did together, which we learned like our skill sets and what we both, both, both to ta- brought to the table before it was a business. So I think maybe like for anyone that's listening, going like, how do I get a co-founder, work with a co-founder, go out and try and go and try a project basis. Don't go jump straight into bed. Think about any like relationship, go and date, go and figure out like how you date, whatever that looks like to you, (laughs) like go and date and don't have a one night stand. And then like when the relationship's in, and I would say six months, like give it, you have to work with this person for six months to a year before you go, let's commit. And actually- That's how long it took us to realize that. Yeah. A year, took us a year to realize that that partnership wasn't necessarily gonna play out for the best yeah it was a year long term so you, you need to kind of figure out dating for a year before you you know it's funny because there's a lot married. of these like founder meetups and matchups and i'm like really worried about them because you know you go to these things where it's like find a co-founder like speed dating and you know you're almost trying to do it to jump into and marry someone straight away without dating it makes no sense to me and I'm, i really worry about those people that goes into those partnerships you know there's probably the odd one that works don't get me wrong but God, it's it's a hard yeah. it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, and so on. But also in this case, it's like you kind of did that, and then you scaled up. Still didn't work, but at least you were in a better position, I suppose, because at least yeah, no one you felt a lot more comfortable in that, right? Yeah. So but knowing when to walk away is also a learned experience. Like from any relationship, people stay in bad relationships with their partner for years, and they don't make that call. But I think the one of the things that me and Matt had learned in this experience over the last few years is that if it didn't feel right, when we must, we, we got to be able to make a change. And I think, you know, we had to have that conversation openly and honestly about the way we wanted to move forward and then we didn't feel it was right. And I think, you know, people in business can do that, but there's also the emotion tied to it. So you have to almost remove that emotion and just think about what's best for you as a person individually and to the business. I, I think this is a quite a unique case with us and just have this conversation around. And I think there's actually worse implications is 
with us, we were we were going through different iterations of a business, you know, and the thing that was becoming harder and harder for us with that partner was every time we iterated the business, obviously it was like a it caused tension. It was like a whole like shit when we're, we're now another six months away from something, even though we spent months away, some of us got to get jobs, we need to earn money. And we were fortunate enough to be iterating the business at a pace where every every time it was like a new idea. What's really difficult is if you've gone into a business partnership with somebody and it's not working out, you've signed your shareholders agreements, you know, maybe you've built the website or you've built the product. Whose idea and then, is it? Then you like, really? You're fucked. Because unless both of you agree that you're going to walk away and close that business down and sign a form to shut that down and start again, that there isn't a way around it. You know, and you can sit with somebody that's a business partner in your business that you can't get out, that doesn't want to pull their weight. Then you have to think about buying them out. Like it is, it is a very severe situation. Is there anybody that you would go to to speak to about that stuff? I'm guessing that's like a lawyer of some kind, like a business lawyer. Yeah, like, I think you can get some advice at the beginning, and also you can write in shareholders agreements. Is kind of there is points that you could add in if you're not 100% sure about if someone decides to walk away, if someone the relationship breaks down. There is protection you can put, but ultimately legal documents are only as good as how much it's going to cost. If you go to a legal battle, there's just no point. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're there in worst case scenario and you should put those clauses in, but it's really difficult because it's a human relationship. It's not a paper relationship. Like I think the other question that people ask me is like, how do you just decide maybe like what percentage equity does someone get? Like, I think I get that. Like I've had that question on a panel. Like how do you know what to give somebody if they're a co-founder? Because sometimes like me and Matt are unique as well in terms of like most things are just, we're just both in, do you know what I mean? And it's like 50, 50, we have to talk about it. But like, then there's some people that might come in that maybe don't do a full-time role or we still need them in. Like you have to come in at a later stage. Come at a later yeah. stage. It does get really complex. And I think, Businesses nowadays, especially businesses in the startup world, there needs to be a lot of thinking around how you get team members involved and, and who you need around the table. And I think it's the one thing that we've gone into the business and something we're going through right now, which is like looking at the business going, who do we need in to make this as big as possible? Because we, we, for the first time, I think me and Matt are kind of open handedly gone. This is not going to work with just me and Matt. Yeah. We can only get it so far because of our skill set and because of the experience we're going into a completely different market in refurbished tech and consumer tech and e-commerce to a certain extent. We have to get other people involved. So we're having to look at that pie now and try to think about it. From yeah, a strategic maybe, maybe it's a little bit easier now because yeah. it is very scary. But, you know, we're looking at our shareholders agreements. If we're bringing people in, like what does the vesting scheme looks like there? We're obviously learning from our experience and trying to avoid potential pitfalls. So... Making, what are the potential pitfalls, you reckon? What are the things that you would flag now having to like, like thinking about, are you thinking? I, I think getting somebody in on an equity basis, say you bring someone in and they want 15% of the business, typically a CTO or someone that can really move the needle. Well, that's a fantastic idea. And I think it'd be something that we'd value from. We need to ensure that if that person's coming in, there's like, there's either milestones in place. There's like a, a system of vesting, which means they have to put in time to be able to get the equity if they come in for a certain time and then they leave or decide to go and do something else, what happens to that equity? So having a more flexible, rigorous system around what that looks like for that person so they can't just come in and take 10%, sign a document, do a couple of phone calls and then not do anything. Like you, you have to really protect ourselves and we haven't got it figured out right now and that's something that, you know, we're looking to get legal advice. And, and we can talk about as we go, supposedly, like the next few weeks, that would be something that we can actually openly talk about. But I think it is worth a strategic meeting in terms of like when you go into business, knowing that you've got to do that, you've got to think about that stuff going in. 
because if you don't, you can get easily like stung on the way out. So I think it's very important. Yeah, I think one thing we've not really spoken about here that I think is really important, which is whether it's top down or more bottom up. <laughs> yeah. But does that person believe in the mission and the goal of what you're trying to build? Yeah. Like that's got to be a really key well, component to it, right? Yeah, really interestingly, I read an article, maybe I'll put a link to it, which was about the questions you should ask anyone that's coming into the business. And it was like, you got like your skill set mission, like um, value. So if you're, if you're good at your job, great. But actually there's all your values and the stuff that are in, innately built into like the co-founders and what the business stands for. And actually that whoever you get around the table, because they're the most important people. When I say table, I'm saying people that can make a strategic decision on the business. Because it won't be just be me and Matt making decisions. There'll be people around us. If they don't have the same value systems or they don't have the same mission maybe as the overall business, you can really get that wrong because they could cast a vote that says that me and Matt can't do something. So you've really got to think about, I think, a list of questions, which maybe is something that we're going to have to write up over the next few weeks is almost like a, a, a QC quality check on the people that we want to get involved from the, uh, from the top we're, down. We're missing, missing one key thing here, personality tests. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, what, yeah. What I really want to put in place is personality tests for everyone because like the 16 personalities, the Myers-Briggs test, I think they're super, super insightful. And I know we've all done one and I know that we know people and we've done it with other people and you can completely tell the person's character by the personality test. It's like, it's not like a horoscope. It is pretty damn accurate. And I think for us, we need to look at the personalities that are coming into the business. You know, we, we you've got to try and avoid conflict. You need people that complement each other. And I think that's really important to be able to map out. I don't know how we're going to do this, to be honest, strategically, but, you know, finding people that don't cross over too much is going to be, you know, really important and having just having the right personality traits. Yeah. And, and not having this, all the same people in the room, like having someone that's willing to say no, willing to stand yeah. up and go, that's not right. I think that's really important. Sometimes you have a lot of people on the table who are willing to say yes, especially bottom down because it's they're not, then maybe the managers aren't giving them the space to talk. So I think I'm really looking at the ecosystem of what, HR looks like for this business. And it's something that I'll probably will can talk more about, but building that team ornogram and building that team like ecosystem from the beginning values and everything is really important. Mm -hmm. Just before we skip on to like the, the next things, I know you got a question, which is uh, something that we, in the co-founder talk, we didn't speak about that. Um, in, in Silicon Valley and in investment in general, if you are a solo entrepreneur who is doing a business, you are much less likely to get investment because they the, the lightiness of you succeeding as one person versus a team of two or three is so much lower. We can actually look at the stats, but... but it's also about control from an investment point of view. If they've, got, if they've got one person that controls everything, they have, no, they have no way of fighting a person out if they're not happy with it being... Like, uh, see, I, I actually think that, you know, being a solo uh, entrepreneur in some, some stages really works. It depends on the type of business, right? And yeah, no, that, that goes brand. I read an article about it recently and I thought it was really interesting, but there's like a lot of like the makers, if you like, that are coming out of America, people that are, you know, just building stuff on their own and, and shipping the products and, you know, making great revenues from it. It's really interesting at how successful some of those solo makers are versus some of the companies. And I think it's just about different, different characters and different skill sets and what you need to get done. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I think investors look at leverage and control, and that's definitely something that, you know, is worth being mindful about in the business as well. Because if, you know, we've we've been in in businesses where we've seen one person that doesn't want to be there anymore, and then it's like shit. Well, what do we do? They've got a load of equity. How how do you how do you manage this situation? 
you know, they were a big part of the business. Now they're not there. Now we've got to hire someone. We haven't got the money to hire someone to fill that thing. You've got the equity. It, it's a re- it becomes a really, really difficult thing to manage. So I think investors really are looking for leverage. If they can have multiple people, then obviously you can break a team down and then you can carry on. There's, there's ways of doing stuff. With leverage. We're, we're finding that as well with the investors the questions are who are the wider team yeah. like as co-founders we're getting the kind of like you know we've been together for 10 years we've built and built something that somebody's you know uh, acquired so we have some of the tick boxes but the next question is always like who else is around the table with the experience so there are big questions that i think any person who's running a business will have to answer because one two people can't do everything you're gonna you're gonna get asked who's gonna be doing heading up the product who's gonna be heading up e-commerce and sales are like you're going to get asked that and i think if you've got an ambition that's big and global which we do you we are going to need to answer those questions within the next six months but we've given ourselves a six months window you know not the 66 days the first stage will be like maybe highlighting the people we need and having initial meetings but over the next six months before the before 2020 we're going to have to put in a few big bigger players around the table to be able to help us get the growth and scale that we want to achieve next year to match our ambition I think, but we've never gone into a business thinking that. So that's the first thing. Like we went to the business, me and Matt, like we can do it all ourselves. And we did for seven years. We built it. We didn't take any equity. We didn't do, give any, like it was, it was our own business. We self-funded it. But this business, we're approaching it with a very different strategy. It's only going to work with great people. Ultimately, the one thing I've learned and I'm learning from our failures and the things that restricted our growth and made us not do as well as we could have, the right team. And in, I'm absolutely hell-bent determined with this business to make sure we have fucking great people in the room people that are smarter than us people that have more experience than us and that's really what it's going to take that's across the board that's, across the board that's every area down, of this business needs to have amazing people in it and essentially we're building a business for people like that it'll have our mark and our, our trademark on it but ultimately the business is going to succeed by the people we put in place underneath us you know we're not we're not re-commerce experts you know, we're going to build a great brand, but we're going to re- this whole thing is going to rely on a load of amazing people to make it happen. Yeah. And we're going to have to go out and f- seek those people like we're doing right now. I think the thing that's happening right now this week is that we have gone on a mission to try and find a few people within the re-commerce. When I say re-commerce, it's like e-commerce, but for refurbished items. And so it's like, you know, putting th- things back out there, which we're doing. We don't know that space. You know, we don't know about recycling. We don't really know about we, we were learning about it and we're willing to learn. But also... We need people around the table who've been there and done it. So we've highlighted a few of those people. We're going to go and try and have conversations with them. And let's see. I mean, that's the next step. Anyone exciting that's helping with that? Yeah, we've got, we've got a couple of meetings coming up. I'm not going to say names now, but we've got a couple of meetings of people who have built and sold e-commerce businesses and kind of have the experience to help us understand and get partners in place quicker. I think ultimately it's about acceleration. I think if a startup's about growth, and that's what every startup looks like, you know, we need to be looking at 10% growth month on month as soon as we can, that's only going to happen if we get the right partners and people in place. We've been we've been grinding on the uh, emails and LinkedIn and Phil's been doing his classic Philly pester that he uh, that he's so good at getting relentless, getting Pe- hold people, of people. People call me like I'm like a dog that gets like chews like a like I don't get let, let go of it. I'm yeah. like, but you have to be. I think sometimes if someone doesn't know you, you're only going to keep at the front of their mind if you badger them. And no, I'm not saying that like, I have a format to it. I'm not like, you know, you saw me yesterday when we were doing the phone calls. It's like LinkedIn you know, email, follow-up email. If, you f- if I find your number, I'm going to call you. I tell you what, uh, I will <laughs> like, say this one thing. It's worked and we have got one meeting hopefully lined up next week. It's all but confirmed that I'm really fucking pumped about. Like genuinely someone that could make the difference in getting this whole thing off the ground. 
someone who's built a business, sold it, done this, has got all the experience, like it's basically the the hero person we need for this and which sounds we've incredible. had you know we've had loads of great feedback on the rebox proposition people from all all areas of the industry as well and um yeah hopefully we can get one or two of these people on board in the team because that's a conscious decision though the conscious decision last week was we drew out a late night session on a thursday or whatever it was Who's last week team? Yeah. we me and matt sat down we drew it out which you know we literally and we went the most important person right now to focus on is this person so a lot of the people that we're chatting to who's, who are maybe like great advisors or maybe worth helping, we knew that, that that has to be in the back burner. And just tell me the steps that you went through that session to get there. It's generally an honor. It was literally an ornogram of me and Matt's exper ex expertise and where we feel we can sit versus where are the places we're really missing and how much like how much do we need them? Like it's prioritizing the people you need. We don't, you know, we don't need to hire a, a marketing exec right now. We need to find somebody who understands recommerce. We looked at every area of this business in the next one, three and six months. We mapped out all the different areas. So for example, like how are we going to do the operations? How are we going to do like the partnership deals? How are we going to get suppliers in? You know, what's the initial marketing strategy? Okay, what, what marketing roles are going to need to be against that? So for example, if we're doing customer acquisition and paid ads, we're going to need someone to do paid ads, ops person. So we basically broke down every everything and we looked at what was going to make the most impact from the top down. And, and there's two roles, really. There's operations role, someone that has dealt with the systems and putting those things in place. And then there's like the supplier relationships. I suppose it's another ops role as well, but it's more from a, a supplier's point of view, like who's got the relationships, who can make all the phone calls to all the partners and get them onto our platform. Because, you know, Philly Cold reaching out to people when he's got, when he doesn't know these people, though we've having some, some luck, we need someone to actually pick up the phone to them all because supply side of this business is what's, what we're going to live or die by. So that's the most important thing. If we don't have suppliers, we can't get customers. So let's get someone that can get us the suppliers in. And that's the person that we've reached out to. Just one more question before we wrap. What is more important, the hire or the fire? Hire. Yeah? Yeah. It's yeah. never nice to fire people and you shouldn't, it really, you Do you ever feel like you've hired no, someone no, 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 or no, it goes like someone this. on that's stuck you don't, around a bit too long? If you're firing someone, you didn't make the right hire. Yeah. Nine times out of 10. Get in the Give or take right. some crazy shit that may happen. If you're hiring wrong, you're going to have to fire. So if you hire right, don't fire. Yeah. I agree with that. So just to wrap. So for anybody that's looking to build from a startup, what are like the... What are the key things that need to be considered from a co-founder, founding team level, based on the experience that you've had? Well, if you're looking for a co-founder, definitely try and find somebody who... You know. You know. Well. Well, and two, has a different skill set than you. Like, don't go into business with someone who can do exactly the same thing as you. Like, you know, me and Matt pretty much are opposite skill sets to a certain extent. There's a lot of crossover with our, our experience and where we can creatively help each other, but then we do different jobs. Like, you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's a distinct, clear thing. Of, I'm going, Matt's in charge of that and I'm doing that. And without those two things, it wouldn't work. And I think, you know, whether that's two or three people, try to find where your weaknesses are and find someone who's actually good at your weaknesses. Yeah, I met two guys recently at an event and they're two young guys, both designers, really super energetic, interesting guys. And they were like, oh, we really want to, we're trying to get this business off the ground. We want to start our design agency. And, you know, they had a whole host of problems. And I, and I was like, okay, so... Who's, who's doing the business side? They're both designers and neither of them had any experience in business, no operational. And I was like, guys, you need to get someone that's going to help you do that because, you know, 
being two designer founders and none of you have business experience, it's going to be really tough. So find someone that can come in and help you, even if it's a consultant, even if it's someone that can come in a day a week or someone that's just got business advice. Like you need that experience in there to be able to structure a business around it. So And feel like, how have you gone about finding that person? I know you talked about it, but just to summarize, like some of the tasks that you put in place. I mean, literally we are, we are writing down the skill set and I'm Googling. Like, no joke, I literally Googled ex-CEO re-commerce business. No, I'm going like, to, that's what I did. Find a guy, reach out to him and say, got an opportunity, you might be interested. Like, it's not rocket science, it really isn't. But like, just doing those things, like we said, you're only three people away from somebody. Like, you know, you can get to those people. If they're not willing to have a phone call with you, they're not the right person. And I think secondly, like, they've got to see the vision. Like, you know, whoever you bring in, co-founder, whatever, it's going to be a long ride. And you have to sense check whether they are in it for the long run. Because some people like startups are sexy. Anyone wants to be involved in a good idea, but no one wants to deal with the shit. So make sure you're willing to go through the fucking hard times and they get the long term vision. And if somebody's willing to give you their time and energy, do you know what? Keep them around because not many people are, are willing to go through the, the, the fire <laughs> that you will go through to get through to the next stage. That's it. So, yeah, it's been a really, really good week. We've had a ton of feedback and we're starting to meet the right people and assemble the right teams around us, which I'm really excited about. A little bit scared about as well, because hiring a team is more responsibility and more management, which is where it gets really tricky. But let's not wor- let's not worry about that just yet. Let me ask a question outside of all of that. Forget everything aside, the week's been really fun, lots of really good moments. What's, what else has been happening? What's, what's popping? There's been what something that's on? really, really stoked me stoked the hell out of me right there's this girl called janelle elena alana i don't know how to say her name has anyone heard of her so this girl right has amassed 1.3 million youtube subscribers in two and a bit weeks off of two videos this is unheard of i've never seen anything like it and i think there's a huge fucking conspiracy because at one point there was like one in three people that were watching her video was subscribing, which is like, that doesn't happen. Like the law of two videos in three weeks. She did two videos in three weeks, 1.3 million subscribers, 12 million views on one of the videos. And I think it was like, uh, I think it was like another five million views on the other video. Now I think there's something really really weird going on behind this because this is algorithm stuff yeah yeah yeah. this is this is a typical youtube algorithm but it's nothing has ever happened like this it's not like one girl's just had like a viral video and it's got 20 million views she's got 1.3 million subscribers which is ridiculous like really ridiculous that doesn't doesn't happen now just to give you some context of what the video is and why it's clever and this probably is a, a, a large reason of why it is. The content's genius. Have you seen this video, by the way? Oh, oh it's fucking crazy. So there's this girl, um, Janelle Alana. She's like 19 and she lives in a van, right? So she's tapping into the van life uh, thing. The super van niche. life trend. Super neat. But van life is massive. Like, people are so interested in seeing these people. Van tube creators is the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Like, And I've seen quite a, quite a few of these and I thought it was really interesting. But she's taken that with like the influencer personality of like one of the younger girls, say like Emma Chamberlain. But when I watched it, I was like, this isn't real. I've I've seen this girl and I'm like, 
there is no way you're just a normal 19-year-old girl. She looks like she's straight out of high school musical, like proper, proper trained. Like, you know, in like... You think of kind of like a Lil Tay kind of thing? Like, where it's just like a persona? I feel like it's like a manufactured... Is she managed by Scooter Braun? YouTuber. <laughs> no. Sorry, Scooter, I love you, really. She hasn't done any other really. videos since this. No, it's and it's like really weird. But then I've started looking into it, right? Because it's been plastered all over the internet. Then I started going deeper into it and I got lost on Reddit. And there's people pulling out all of like these conspiracy things, tying up like these bot comments. And ha- and essentially what, what it's boiled down to is people think that YouTube are pushing her, like actively pushing her as a YouTube star. star, Like, so what people have been showing, and this was where it got really interesting is loads of people have have been posting pictures saying, what the fuck? I'm subscribed to her. And literally there's hundreds of people going, I've been subscribed to this channel and I've not subscribed to her. I've never seen her video before. And then there's loads of other people saying, I keep getting her videos pushed to me. I keep going, not interested, never watched them, but it keeps coming back. So there's whole conspiracies happening underneath YouTube. So what's the incentive for YouTube to push somebody like her? Uh, maybe, you know, a nice mixed race kind of poster girl, advertiser friendly. Look at this. This is non-controversial. This is someone super sweet that's, you know, ticks all the boxes, potentially from an advertising point of view. Obviously, they're getting a lot of heat at the moment for different YouTube stars not behaving appropriately. But it had, for me, when I watched it, I was like, this has all the marks of something manufactured. And what I think is really, really strange is, you know, just to kind of be in YouTube's defense a little bit. You know, some things do just go insanely viral, but I would find it hard. Maybe they just couldn't control it. That that many people would actually subscribe. Maybe they put a little bot behind it and they're going, do you know what, every... You know, let's make 1% of people subscribe. But actually, there's been like 50% of people have been subscribing anyway. But it's you, when you get a chance, watch the video because it doesn't look like a 19-year-old girl's picked up a camera and, and made that video. Like, it is so well produced as a vlog. It's insane. I, I, I'm just... It's just fishy. I've well, never the numbers for like me are it. absolutely crazy. Two videos Staggering. in three weeks, 1.3 million subscribers. Yeah. That's crazy. And like 20 million views. Like it's truly a viral video that has never been seen like this before. I'm buying a snake and we're going to have a pet snake in here. That might be the thing. The snake's yeah, that, got like 1.1 million like views. I live in a, I live in a yeah, van with, with my pet snake. snake. So we're, let's get a branch entrepreneur snake. That's the thing. Uh, the thing I want to talk about on what's popping is the, the Instagram obviously taking the likes, the like counters. Has like, it gone now? Yeah, well, they've been trialing it. And obviously there's a big thing that's, uh, you know, influencers are breaking down. They're freaking out. I've now got to work eight hours a day. Some of them are saying, which is, you know. No, the light's still going for me. I've been waiting for this to happen for a while. But but it but the fashion world, they've been testing it. They are gonna they, they are gonna drop it. They are looking to drop it. Yeah, so, they have to. So I think it's really interesting that the how the world maybe will react to that from validation point of view, how brands might react to it. So um Well I think it's really good. It goes back to one of the things that we always say at the agency, which is attention. And what I like about YouTube is how if you watch that girl's video, I mean, no joke, I watched the video, I watched it to the end. And that's obviously a massive factor in the YouTube algorithm. Like it genuinely was so well produced that I watched. And also so ridiculous that I watched all of it. But what's going to be interesting with Instagram's point of view is how like they're just going to focus on attention. If that if that photo is getting liked and shared, then 
Cause, that's cause what it's going to come down to because it's going to spoil the people with the like the Instagram like the groups what's it called the engagement groups yeah. so you're well, going to see a lot of them because a lot of this is game and like no we 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 you know we work in an influencer world so we understand that some of this stuff is is done I'm not saying it's right or wrong but that's how you get the attention so that if that takes that like away you're gonna you're gonna actually see what people potentially are watching through instead of like you watch it for 30 minutes it's a long attention span it's like so it'd be really interesting to see what comes out the other end and maybe we'll keep updated on and how brands are affecting it but i definitely think for the fashion world it's going to be something they have to really because fashion instagram is hand in hand and it's one of the big kind of points um that we should look at yeah and i wonder whether just taking away the like might just mean that people then have to comment and the value of a comment for a brand is going to be far bigger than yeah, the value of absolutely. a like so i just wonder whether that might just have something to do with Absolutely. it. It might just encourage people to engage a bit more deeper, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Otherwise, yeah, that's it, guys. On to next week. Have a nice bath now. Yes, people, thanks for blessing us with your ears. Tell us what you think. Keep us in the loop. We'd love to get your stories, questions, and any topics you want us to discuss. Make sure you hit us up and leave a review on the podcast, and we'll see you next week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.